Ready. All right, go, go ahead. It's all you, the Keith show. You're not going to do my joke? <laughs> Season two? Yeah, it only works if you, because you do the intros, but. Uh, yeah, but we haven't had an intro for, at this well, point, years. Well, here's a good time to start. Welcome to season two of everything. <laughs> uh, we've been on a, what, nine month? It hasn't been that long. Oh, really? I think um, maybe like October mm. or September. That's not well, anyway, months. this is season two. So welcome. To, you know, I was uh, checking to see if we still had a feed and everything. <laughs> we don't. Oh, we don't? Well, it's funny you bring that up because <clears throat> obviously it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And all of this is run through a Squarespace website that I, that I pay for, right? Oh, yeah. It's $10 a month. Oh. And, uh, and it was like the morning that you texted me, you're like, hey, let's record. Let's do another podcast. An hour before that, I had turned off the auto renew on the website because I was like, well, this thing's done and I don't need to pay for it anymore. And I'll figure out what to do with like all of the stuff before they like delete it from their servers. Yeah. And then an hour later, you were like, hey, let's record. <laughs> so I was like, all right, sure. But I'm just going to leave the auto renew off for now and we'll see how it goes. Right. <laughs> and so eventually, like a week ago or maybe a couple days ago, it, I got the email. I was like, hey, we've turned your stuff off. And go to here to find out what's going to happen to everything. Like if you don't turn it back on after some amount of time, we'll just yeah. delete all of it. Mm. So I get, I get back to it in, oh. in the next couple of days. Um, oh yeah. I had a, I had a, well, I was looking just because I guess it shows like everything is still there. Yeah. But I don't think you can access the stuff, right? The right. content. Yeah. Okay. It won't download. But I noticed that our perfect five star rating had been besmirched. I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. And it just got our, our, we should say our perfect five star friends and family rating. <laughs> There's a few people I don't know who. Uh, right. Was, but, There's uh, one guy who contacted me who was like, hey, listen to my podcast and I'll listen to yours and give you five stars. I was like, okay, whatever, all right, dude. <laughs> done. Um but so yeah, anyway, I saw that we got like a like a extra rating. It was like what, like uh, it was two star, star two, two star? stars, but there's no written review, right? It just is two stars. Well, here's here's my thing with what we're doing, which are two dads who just talk into a microphone occasionally. I feel like what we have here is like a five or one star operation. <laughs> I just don't see like if you're going to leave a review for what we're doing. And you tick one star off of the five. Yeah. You might as well just go all the way to the one. Right. Because you can find more informed or better people talking about what we're doing here. Yeah. Like either you are all in and like you said, maybe like friends or family or I don't know. You know, well, there's a few people who, <laughs> you know, we, we know who listen. For, right. But still, even with those people that we talk, I don't know why. Yeah. But uh, 
either you're you're five star, you're all in, or you are like, don't listen. Right. The, like, why would right. anybody listen? This is meaningless. This is yeah. meaningless. So going like middle of the road to me is like the most meaningless rating. Yeah. That you could possibly give. Just give us one. What was the one star we got? Exactly. Yeah. I, the, the one bonus. There's got. It, yeah. It's either. It's either. It's a five star rating. In which case, it's like okay, we we have to know that person somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's one star where it's like you said, it's like this is just not for this person, right? But if you're going to give us anything in between, there has to be some sort of explanation to it. There's got to be, yeah. So that transitioned me though into one thing that I've been uh, dealing with. I've been thinking about. I've been dealing with this issue, which is like. What is the least helpful thing you can say in the in the wake of a tragedy? Sure, you know, and well, I think Trump has pretty much got that covered well, with his yeah <laughs> tweet. <laughs> More than him, you have you know I've I've read some people who will go on long kind of social media uh, rants, decrying the way the people debate now. Or the way that people argue, you know, basically um, crying foul at how uh, angry people have gotten. Mm-hmm. But then they don't say anything about the actual issue that people are talking about. Literally, all they're doing is giving you the most middle of the road, helpless commentary that they can offer. Mm-hmm. Both sides. It's, it's the, well, going back to Trump, you know, it's the Trump, like both sides. Mm-hmm. And they're just both sizing every issue. So in the wake of the last school shooting, which we probably have to date as the Parkland one, because mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen you know, between now and whenever this is released. But in the wake of the last school shooting, people have had all these debates about you know, gun control or whatever, not gun control. People who are okay with the amount of school shootings. That are happening, I guess. Mm-hmm. Either one of those is say it, right? The thing that upsets me the most are the people who don't tip their hands on a side, which of course, you know which side they're on. If mm-hmm. all they can do is muster a commentary on, man, people are so angry. I hate these hate tags. Right, right. You know, and and punning up like whatever yeah. word they can to give this milk toast response. Right. They're obviously on the wrong side of the argument, and but then, they're not. They're they're too chicken to come out and say yeah, they're on that side of it, right? And you and I just I want to call them out. Uh, number one on saying, thanks for nothing. Like thanks for throwing, uh, lit matches onto the fire. It you know it's not really yeah. it's definitely not helping. It, you know it's kind of hurting. Well, it's just kin- it's just kindling. That's it's just all. Fr- it it's just kindling. Right. It's not even a lit match. Yes, it's something that will help it burn but it's not going to make it burn on its own. It's that's I'm not on social media. And that's one of the reasons why, but (laughs) it's why I don't feel the need or the desire to do this podcast at all, because I feel like there is no middle of the road anymore. And like, I'm not like complaining about that. I think there's a good reason for that. I don't think there should be at this point. I don't think there should be a middle of the road. Right. The middle of the road has kind of become the dumb person's I'm smart. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's how it's how they're they're it's it's like 
you're trying to show that you're nuanced by taking the middle of the road, everything, but this is not the time for that. And it's like, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. And, and like, and like you said, it's just so obvious at this point, it's just as like, just, well, just shut up. Well, yeah, you don't know what you could apply that comment to like a, a recipe where somebody is like arguing about using almonds instead of walnuts on their like lemon bars. Uh-huh. And this person's like, hey, everybody, calm down on the uh, hateful pro almond, pro walnut rhetoric. Or you could be talking about school shootings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the, the debate could be as big or small. You're just throwing out the most mill the road take on it and then moving on with your life yeah at least at the end you know throwing a little no one should own assault rifles or you know or whatever like everyone should have an assault rifle just give give something well yeah i feel like it's instead of saying anything if that's truly how you feel then you need to either ignore the topic altogether uh-huh. or dig into it and f- see where you actually fall because middle of the road is not it's, it's just not, it's not tenable right it's anymore. not helpful right now and it's just yeah it's i don't know that ever was i think that's that's one of the things that you know you and i have been kind of dealing with too is this movement from you know I think the natural movement of being young and uninformed to like, maybe there is a period in my life where I thought mill the road was the right way to be. And just kind of like, Hey everybody, I'm the smart one in the room. Mm -hmm. I can identify who is yelling, you know? And then you, and then you very quickly realize I'm the a-hole in the room. Like I'm the one who's trying to pretend I'm Switzerland, but I have thoughts and ideas too. And I'll vocalize them. I just think I'm being, Mill the road. Well, you know? yeah, I think I think some of it is just not knowing. It's just being ignorant on the subject. But I, I don't know. I, I think some of it is. I think some of it is. Uh, it's being sort of challenged because it's happening like in the moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's in in the wake of kids being shot at school. Like, you don't want to hear someone to be like, well, let's take a, a moment to think about this. And you know what I mean? It's like, no, I want something done right, right. now. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, is people think that they can say that phrase without regard to history. Yeah. It's like, well, what did you say? At the what, what did you say after Vegas? Did you say, hey, guys, calm down. We need some time. And then, you know. Uh, the Florida shooting happens and you're like, Hey, we need to, it's like, okay, which one of these tickets is due? How far do we have to go back to Columbine? Is it now? Can we talk about Columbine now? Like how far back do we need to go to have a distanced enough conversation about whatever tragedy happened? There's so many straw men that people erect. And I think the other thing that's happening is you see the, the students of the school starting to like tear down the straw man. Like it's so mm-hmm. clearly a straw man that we as a society have bought into where people just allow people to get in front of a microphone on a 24 hour news cycle and barf up their, you know, their talking point and then move on. And I think that now finally it takes a fresh pair of eyes, like with these kids mm-hmm. to be like, no, this is, did you see that speech from, um, 
Emma Gonzalez, I think her name is, the No More BS chant, you know? I haven't been following it. Okay. Well, the the other thing that you mentioned I, I kind of want to touch on, too, is this idea of throwing out now that the other thing is not not just to say we need time, but now to cherry pick details, which is apparently the smart person's rhetorical like uh approach nowadays right which is to picking details of being nitpicking. super logical quote unquote yeah <laughs> let me nit- that is the ben shapiro oh. jordan peterson oh school of gosh. thought yeah i just don't understand man i don't understand how people can sit there and say hey middle of the road you're right middle of the road is a terrible place to be so you know what i'm gonna do I'm going to cherry pick details and nitpick them to death until the conversation has moved on. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say there weren't 18 school shootings uh, in 2018, and I'm going to rail on this topic and ride this wave yeah. for as long as I can. And people are expected to be like, oh, yeah, this is, this is a substantive de- debate and talk. Mm-hmm. If you just use the number 18 to stand in for too many school shootings, then to me, the conversation's over. Let's have now that conversation. All mm-hmm. right. All right. 18 is down to what? Three? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's have three. Somebody sent me that Ben Shapiro video. And he says, like, blah, blah, blah. There hasn't been 18. There hasn't been 18. He immediately then says, no, one is too many. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Then can we go back to one? You right. know? But no, he wants to now make a debate right. about every town that collects school shootings and the methodology that they use to collect it. And I want to say, who cares? Right, I know exactly. that a school shooting happened last week. Yeah. I know that that happened. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that, you know? And with these kids who, you know, now you see people attacking, like, yeah, I saw a tweet from a Republican thinker who was like, at least conservative ideas don't have to go in the mouth of children. It's like, you know, to, to be spread. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to like, you know, these kids don't know what they're talking about. Really, I look at like Republican senators. All I see are like man children, mm-hmm. just like adult children. That's all they are. You know, they're like impressed by power and money and, and selfishness. Guns. Guns. They think they're cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just. I, I don't I don't get how obscuring the debate has now become again like the smart smart man's move like uh, checkmate I am uh, I'm going to to nitpick your details yeah until you get so bored and that you leave the room contextualize everything yeah that's it that's I mean I I don't know that's that's I think that's mostly the reason that I've I've checked out like it's that. It's I am fine with a middle of the road take where I was, but at this point, I think I feel like everything has become everything is being done sort of like dishonestly. You know what I mean? No one is arguing in good faith. Everything is just it's it's only presented to prove somebody else wrong. And no other person's perspective is ever taken into consideration without the intent to just prove it wrong. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if Ben Shapiro brings something up on his show, he's bringing it up with the sole intention to pick it apart and prove it completely wrong. 
He's never going to bring something up and be like, now, you know, here's why this is wrong, but here's why this is right. interesting. And this here's really why this is right. Me. It just is, but it just is. And he's got that voice that just, and I just, I just can't do it anymore. And, and like I said, outside of this political spectrum that we're in, I'm fine with like middle of the takey stuff. Like I wish there are moments in history where I wish I wasn't so reactionary to stuff where my beliefs weren't so reactionary or hopping to one side immediately were a little bit more thoughtful. But, but I just, I just road. can't do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not, I think this is the difference. It's, it's too easy to say both sides are polarized and both sides lie and both sides, both sides. That is, that is a nothing. Well, yeah. And I, that's not what I, I feel like right. right now. I feel like there is one side that is right. lying. Right. That, that, that's noise pollution. But I think what is. And I will say the caveat, I know both sides lie. Right. Okay, yes. I know that. But right now there is one side that is doing it way more than the other well, side. Well, but, but here's the thing, though. And it, to way greater effect. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. I think that that, too, is a little binary. I think this is, this is to me, how I try to approach um, you know, debates nowadays or issues or whatever, is to try to understand the influences that the person talking has. What kind of experience... What background is this person bringing to their perspective? Mm -hmm. Because everybody's perspective is going to be colored by their experience. I don't know that everything is colored by ideology exclusively, but you're never going to get like a pure oracle who only speaks the truth. It cannot happen in humanity because I was raised by a certain set of parents or parent, mm -hmm. or I was influenced by you know, certain kind of cultural icons that I looked up to and either wanted to impress or wanted to emulate my life. And they had their influences and they had their influences all the way down. You know what I mean? So I think it's more about understanding context of who's speaking in order to understand that. That will then give you a better idea of the conversation that's happening. But I don't think people do that. So instead, people talk about the media, right? or the mainstream media, or the liberal media, but they don't ever talk about specific authors of, uh, of articles mm -hmm. or specific websites that have a stated purpose and perspective of where they're coming from. And so you end up just sorting people out into different groups and then eliminating some because you identify these as socialists or whatever, right? So you don't listen to any socialists. Because socialism equals, you know, blah, 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 all that mm -hmm. stuff. But then you bring in all these, like, capitalist puppets, you know, or, like, not, not just capitalist puppets. I'll take that back. Corporate, you know, kind of, like, mouthpieces. Mm -hmm. And they become voices that you listen to because they represent capitalism, which is good, you know. But, again, you're never focusing on who are you actually listening to, you know. Like, what is the influence of Hannity? What's the influence of Rush Limbaugh? With Ben Shapiro, he looked up to uh, the uh, Andrew Breitbart, Breitbart, right? Andrew Breitbart, he talks about him, like, glowingly. Well, I can look at Andrew Breitbart. I can look at all of his influences and see exactly where he is. He's a, tro he's a troll. Mm -hmm. He's a political troll. And so Ben Shapiro idolizes a guy who takes his philosophy 
basically of, of trolling, you know, political thought. And I now understand their influences. I know where they're coming from and I can better like, you know, kind of weigh what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Now, again, that's actually a bad argument because I would basically reject everything that they say, that they say because of who, where they're coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's helped me better to understand, like, I need to be, and it's okay for me to be listening to, like, socialist voices and listening to certain kind of, like, I still like John Dickerson as a voice of the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I can kind of hold these together and weigh them out and then take, you know, some perspectives and follow through on what appeals to me. I'm not after objective truth because I don't think that I can ever grasp it, but I am about following my interests and my pursuits. So it's like, listen, I may never be like an economic Marxist because I just don't care enough about economics, mm -hmm. you know, but I am very interested in more social theory of things that I'm encountering. And now that has led me down a whole other path of finding kind of social theorists, social philosophers and looking at how culture is influenced by different, you know, kind of factors, you know what I mean? And so I'm not like doing a broad swath of like, give me that gem, that core gem of objective truth I'm after. I'm just listening to a lot of influences and then taking out things that I'm already naturally interest, interested in and trying to pull from sources that go farther back than Andrew Breitbart, you know? Or further back than just like our Western culture, you know. I want something with a little like history to it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm more interested in kind of again those deeper thoughts and uh, and perspectives than just again like like you know hey I got a I got a hot take like whatever it is I'm willing to say that children should all own guns in a in a classroom. Get me in front of a CNN microphone mm -hmm. right now. Like, I will say that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm more interested in like, well, you know, the influences of the NRA, you know, are right. XYZ. This is how a corporation can get as big as this or, you know, whatever else. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like the, the option is not to disengage because it's too polarized and whatever else. But it's too engaged, but more discerning engagement mm -hmm. and it might take a little work to kind of push through and be like wait who am i listening to like you mentioned jordan peterson right mm -hmm. he was a guy i didn't really know about and sometimes if i like pull a quote i'd be like oh that sounds interesting or whatever then you actually like research and you're like oh this guy's a total doofus you know yeah and so yeah it's like stop just looking at the at the headline stop looking at like the pull quote and actually look at the person Look at their influences and see if they if they appeal to you, you know. Yeah, and and hopefully that will lead people to better sources. I don't know. It's it's worked for me. It's helped me move from a middle of the road take is where I'm at to like there is one right side and there is one wrong side, but the reasons are more nuanced than I don't like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pushed me to just give up. I don't I don't want to talk to anybody about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to I've completely tunnel visioned. I read the stuff. I well, I don't just read the stuff I agree with, but I focus on the stuff I agree with. 
I have zero interest in talking to somebody that I know I do not agree with politically at this point. And I am firmly in the camp of I'm just waiting for these people to die out, basically. <laughs> <laughs> A camp that I did not, that I hated before, right. right? But now I'm just so fed up with it that I'm just like, please just get this over with. I'm still of the mindset that Trump's lasting impact will be positive, will be a net positive in like the change that it will bring. But I'm ready to move. To <laughs> You're move ready on. to move on. I'm done with the news cycle. Well, two things. Uh, number one, I just feel like I need to comment. Um, you answered the door. It's raining a little bit, but I was run. I, we went running before okay. we came over. You are drenched. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you had a, sh- a shower, but you went for a run. No, this is okay, pure is sweat. Okay, no, 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 this is sweat. It wasn't raining when we ran. So the visual that I'm looking at, and Justin <coughs> has done this a few times already. He his hair is completely slicked back, like a, <laughs> like Al Pacino, uh, early '90s Al Pacino in all of his movies. He has a towel draped over his shoulders. And a few times he has run his hand through his hair and then wiped it down the towel, like along his shoulder. And it is just, it's just an image I wasn't ready for. And the towel looks very comfortable, but it looks almost kind of like, like a fur. It looks like I'm lo- mm. sitting across from my I head. can see that. Yeah. Like a Game of Thrones character, mm-hmm. like a Game of Thrones lord. Right. And uh, I've, I'm a little intimidated, like your, uh, your body language is a little intimidating. Is my skin still beet red from running? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. you are glowing. <laughs> You're actually emitting a, a pink glow. Well, this is why I actually asked you to come over an hour later than usual mm. so I could get my run in. Okay. My um, first one in four months, hey. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> well, okay. So going back to your, your response is just to pull completely out. I think that that's a good transition. To something that you that you've done throughout your life, and something that I, that I kind of want to talk uh, talk about, and talk about the impact of of your latest decision, mm-hmm. which was to sell your Xbox. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, we have been playing PUBG, mm-hmm. you, me, and and a few friends, and been having a great time. Uh, there was talk of getting Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. And maybe doing that together. Sea of Thieves. And Sea, sea of Thieves was something that we were really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And one day, and did, then, was I over here? Did I come over and, or did you tell me through text? I texted you. you and you, then out of the blue, unceremoniously, I just told you I sold my Xbox. Sold your Xbox. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if we, okay, let me jump to my point first, and then we'll come back to why and, and the sale experience, okay. which I'm interested in. Um, okay, you leaving like that has left, left a void, <laughs> and it helped me better to realize, you know, on those, like, what were they called, MOBAs, the multi-massive yeah. multiplayer games? Yeah. When somebody dies or leaves a game, you will see some videos sometimes that make it on like Reddit of like people having a funeral. Mm-hmm. And normally that's when like another in game. Yeah, an in-game funeral. And normally that's when like the other tribe will attack or whatever, which is right. some of the best videos. <laughs> yeah. That, uh-huh. uh, but people have like an in-game funeral. And I remember, you know, when I first heard about that, like when you hear about anything, you're like I don't get it. 
That's it's absurd. That's absurd. Right. That's absolutely absurd. You leaving the way that you did helped me understand that perspective a little more. It is a little bit like a death. Like uh-huh. there, there really is a void there. Um, so Chris and I played PUBG, you know, a few times since then. Uh-huh. And there will be moments where I'm literally like, oh, let me message. Oh, wait. Right. Or Chris would be like, it's just, I'm like, remember he sold his. Mm-hmm. You didn't even say goodbye to Chris. <laughs> there, there wasn't even like a night of, hey, Chris. Yeah, let's. Well, that's kind of the nature of selling it on Craigslist. Like I said, I would have played one more night, but it was like some guy messaged me and then he was ready to pick it up. So I just. But sold here's it to the thing him. you put it on Craigslist. Well, yeah. Before you did that. But I don't put it on Craigslist thinking this thing is going to sell immediately. Well, maybe that's some, I'd like to know about the Craigslist experience and how scared you were of being murdered. Is that still a fear on Craigslist? Or have they, I've, have never, they I've never been that worried about about that i ha- actually was once the other time i sold my xbox but other did than you that, have to go drop it off somewhere or? yeah in a dark parking lot Ugh. at like nine o'clock at night uh, yeah that's not good. that was a little freaky yeah um so anyway i want you to know that you you've helped change my, like a digital presence is is real well, we didn't even really play together that much your digital life Listen, outside of PUBG. Well, and that was recently. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, we <clears throat> invited you in on The Witcher 3 because Chris and I played a lot of that. Uh, yeah, but The Witcher 3, you're not playing together. We you're did. both just playing separately, but you're in a chat together. Destiny. Destiny, PUBG. we didn't play that much. We, we tried. Yeah. We tried. Destiny, PUBG, we did get good yes. time in PUBG. Uh, and then, that's it. No, but, but I think it was setting up for maybe some good time Monster World. And the other thing, too, is PUBG isn't even an official release yet. I mean, this yeah. is early access, so we didn't even get to experience the full game. Anyway, all that to be said, not trying to guilt you into, uh, you know, anything or, or, or make you feel bad about your decision. Just to say that uh, you, you've left a hole. Uh-huh. And uh, now I feel like... We do need to, like, maybe in PUBG, we're going to have some sort of ceremonial. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the best, like, I'm trying to think what your legacy is in, in PUBG. And it, yeah. might be, it might be, like, we'll go die in the shelter. We'll just right. take off all of our clothes, <laughs> yeah. and we'll just lay on the floor in the shelter and wait right. for somebody to kill us. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, it's, it's. I think the deciding factor was that I had a history with Destiny, the first Destiny, where I put, I want to say, almost 4,000 hours into that game, Mm -hmm. which is way too much. Mm -hmm. And my health spiraled out of control. Not, I wouldn't say directly because of Destiny, but it had something to do with it. And so I spent... A long time, or you know, oh, I, I spent a, uh, I, so that was a struggle for me, and then I felt like I got back on track, and then all of a sudden PUBG comes along, and I start putting in more hours and more hours and more hours, and next thing you know, all I want to do is play PUBG, and this is a part of my personality that I feel like I never had to deal with before outside of the past couple of years where I'm starting to be 
very single-minded and addicted to things. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I never had to deal with that before. At least I, I, not that I could remember. Um, and so I feel like I sort of righted the ship, started exercising again. I lost all of the excess weight that mm-hmm. I put on. And then come October, I got really sick. And then that turned into a sinus infection. Yeah. And then the sinus infection went away. And then I like pulled something in my back. And then that got better. And then I got really sick again. And then it's like holidays, cold weather. So I stopped exercising, right? I haven't exercised really regularly since probably October. And then PUBG comes along and it's like, and now I'm, I'm, it's starting to warm up a little bit. I'm not, I'm no longer sick anymore. I at least have opportunities to do that. And, and instead I'm like, I'm just going to skip it and play games or whatever. So part of it was that was Mm -hmm. going down that path again. And part of it is sort of the idea that I have of like what a man is, you know what I mean? But like you have in your mind when you think about like, I I have to say, I'm only laughing because I was not expecting that to come out of your mouth, but I'm very interested. Yes. I'm saying like in your mind, okay. In my mind of like what a dad should be or what a man should be or what a husband should be. Mm. You think of specific things, right? I've given that up. (laughs) I, I honestly, I really don't think that I do. I think, I think I've tried to, I don't know if it was like an active um, kind of like an active thing that I really embarked on. I think I gave up any expectations of who I am in favor of just the reality of who I am. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe I'm going to regret that soon. And I definitely like, I could be more in shape. I could be more like productive around the house and like fixing stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'm not. And I just, I'm trying to be like, this is, this is me. Like mm. for better or worse, I don't know. Uh, but, um, but this is who I am. But anyway, go on. So yes, yeah, so but you, you have like this idea. Well, yeah. I mean, I have this. A rough sketch. Yeah. I, basically what it comes down to is at the end of the day, I would look back and I would. And see PUBG. And, right. And I would realize. <laughs> Instead of spending time with my daughters, mm. instead of exercising, instead of doing whatever, I played video games. And at the end of the day, that's not the man, that's not the person that I want to be. I don't want my daughters going to bed thinking, I wish I had more time with my dad. I wish he wasn't playing. I wish. I didn't come down from my nap, and instead of him sitting with me or whatever, he just threw some Jex mix in my bowl and kept playing video games. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would love to be disciplined enough to do work, to clean, to do laundry, to clean the house, to spend time with my daughters, to spend time with julia to go exercise and then to take an hour out of the day to play video games but i'm realizing that at least at this point where i'm at now i can't do that Mm -hmm. because that one hour turns into playing until three o'clock in the morning and then waking up 
at seven. You do wake up really early. Right, because the girls wake up that mm-hmm. early. And then being tired all day. And instead of resting or just pushing through to exercise, I'm just like, well, I'm so tired. I can just sit down and play more video games. Mm. So it's kind of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and just sort of, and just sort of, sort of putting my foot down because ultimately there are other things that I want to do with my life. And I don't think the idea of doing those and being able to play games is mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. But at this point, right. I it can't seems, balance the two. It seems that way. So I have to get rid of, mm. I felt like I had to get rid of the one because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think to me that's probably the point that I, I am most sympathetic with. It's just this <clears> idea <throat> of, of you just not being able to manage the time. Because when you told me how much time you put into PUBG, yeah. Chris and I were both like... I, it's shocking. Well, yeah. Well, I hope you don't mind. I shared it with Chris sure. because he was like, what happened? Where did, uh, And I was... Because you, you said, I think I remember 300 mm-hmm. hours. Okay. 300 hours. Chris, when I, I said, how many hours do you think Justin put in to PUBG? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, like, 50. Yeah. And he was like, what, like 50 hours? Because we, we both, like, I think Chris has put in 30. I think I've put in less. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he said 300. <laughs> 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 and Chris is like, what? I was like, yes. So I'm very, you know, obviously I'm very sympathetic to that. And I don't think that there's any, uh, it just made me think of like the guy I saw on like Reddit, the guy who locked his head in a cage. Did you see that? Mm-mm. To stop smoking. And he gave his Oh, yes. The key. I did see that. Yeah. So it made me think like, hey, maybe Justin is literally, literally like, listen, Keith, it's either lock a cage around it, you know, or I just sell it and I don't look like that guy. Yeah. You know, as his Xbox in a cage. Um, but I, I, and I guess going back to this idea of like, I don't know, man, how do you feel? Like, how big of a cop out is it to say? Because I, I think I grew up in a family of like, that had very clear ideas of what a man was. I think I yeah. told you, my, my one grandfather, hate is a strong word. <laughs> But I was not his, clearly not his favorite. Right. And one of the big reasons is because I just, I didn't want to fish. I didn't want to like build stuff with wood. I literally just wanted to like frolic. Like I act like, you know, I remember just wanting to go like walk in his field Mm -hmm. and not do anything, you know, or lay down by the lake. And he thought that was like, I was weird, you know? And I think it, you know, from there growing up, I just had to in some ways be like, yeah, this is who I am. I'm, I need to be okay with it. Now, I think that that also enables certain elements of me. Yeah. Like, so I should probably know how to work on my car. It would right. save me money. <laughs> I don't want to know how to work on a car. Right. I hate working on a car. Mm-hmm. I changed my headlights and that is a nightmare. For me. Yeah. So I'm just, I've just kind of been like, I'm not going to be a guy who works on a car. I don't know if that like dings my man points. Well, I think 
for me, I think the point is what is as long as it makes as long as you're happy with that. And mm. and for me, ultimately, I was not happy. Mm. Right. I liked playing games. I like playing games. I like I said, I wish I could balance that. I wish I could still have my Xbox and feel like I could balance that. But I just can't. Yeah. And I wasn't happy with how I was spending my time. Right. Right. And it's. And so that's what it comes down to. And, and I mean, yeah, a, a, a lot of that is swirling around in my head a lot of the time. I had a dad who was the silent, you know, disciplinary type, mm-hmm. uh, very traditional, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have a lot of that swirling around, kind of like this is what a man should do. Like growing up, like I'm pretty sure. 99% of my family thought I was gay, right? right. Just because I was quiet and mm-hmm. different and didn't really talk to anybody. And I like to keep to myself and, you know, play games or whatever. <clears throat> so a lot of those stereotypes I think about a lot, like the stereotypes of just like, uh, yeah, like working on a car, doing, fixing the house. This is the things that men should do. Um, but ultimately, like I said, it, what it comes down to is I felt like I was going down that same path mm-hmm. where I was going to lose control, uh, which led to a ton of different things, not just the weight gain, but like it was just really bad. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I wasn't happy with how I was spending my time. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to I just don't want to be. A, I didn't want to be the a person who was choosing this stupid video game over my family. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like I was doing. That's, that's what I was doing. Yeah. I mean, there's more than feeling to it. That is ultimately what I was doing. And so I have to, I had to, I was not strong enough to just be like, I'm going to just stop playing. I just had to get it. And I, like you said, I've done this a bunch of times and it's not just with the Xbox. I've done it with a ton of things. Mm-hmm. I just cut it out. As soon as I sort of get the opportunity to, because mm-hmm. it's something I'd been thinking about for a while, but it was like, eventually I just was like, I've got to get rid of this. I put it up on Craigslist. And so that, yeah. So Craigslist is like, I've sold a ton of things on Craigslist and there's always a couple uh, recurring factors. The first one is that dark parking lot yeah, always yeah, the first one is that for some reason and i don't know why people on craigslist think that this is the way it should be the person who's buying never wants to come to where you're at to buy it like if i'm have to buy something from a store i understand i have to go to, to that store, store to buy it the uh-huh. store is not going to bring it to me i had a guy email me from portsmouth who's like hey i'm in portsmouth can you come up can you come up here and give it to me i'm just like I live in Virginia Beach, dude. I'm not going up. Like, you come to me. I'm selling it. You know what I mean? So that's the first thing. The other thing is that everyone tries to lowball you. And I guess that's part of the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's Craigslist. But it's like, if I'm selling something for $100 on Craigslist, I'm not giving it to you for $50. (laughs) I'm not. Period. Yeah. So... Other than that, I've had no real issues with Craigslist, for the most part, if you price like you're not going to get a ton of money from something but if you're realistic with it you can get rid of it pretty quickly well i mean you proved that true you sold it to a vapor uh yeah. magnet right yeah i had to i had to go so yeah so this so this guy emailed me is like um hey is it still available i was like yeah and he said can you bring it 
to my, I said like, yes, it's still available. I I'm here. Can you meet me at the farmer's market? Right. Cause I work and live right next to the farmer's market. And he's like, Oh, I'm at work all day. Can you just bring it to my office? So I was like, I work at uh, by town center. So I'm like, okay, I'm thinking this guy's like some kind of like big hot shot works. Mm. One of those big, tall buildings down at town center. He's like my office. So I was like, sure, whatever I can. Cause part of my selling the Xbox was also returning some of the stuff I had and then using all of that to get a switch, mm-hmm. which I did. So I was thinking, okay, I can take this to town center, go to the target there, go to the best buy there. And we can just sort of get everything all together. Right. So it's like, fine, that's fine. And so I said, what's your address? So he emails me the address and I put it in and he doesn't give me the name of a building or a store or anything. Just gives me the straight address. Right. And so I put it in and then go to the street view and it shows me like a three store, like mini mall storefront. Mm -hmm. One is a mattress store. Mm -hmm. One is a Verizon wireless and one is a vape store. And so I'm thinking it's the Verizon just for whatever reason, because he's saying like, just bring it to the office, bring it into my building. And I kid, do you mind if I test it out? Something this guy's clearly embarrassed, right? This guy probably works. at. He's trying to, Um, or the mattress place. Oh, and part of the office thing is like, yeah, I can bring it to your office, but can you meet me in the parking lot? Because I'll have my daughters with me. So he's like, so that's when he emails me the address. He's like, oh, it's just a storefront. You can bring them in. So I threw the, see the three stores. And I'm thinking it's got to be the Verizon because mattress store just doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure this guy would not see that I'm bringing my daughters with me and then say, yeah, just bring him into the vape store. Right. But sure enough, it is the vape store and I have to bring in an Xbox in a bag and he's got like two coworkers with them who are like have no idea why I'm there. And so we I literally walk in, put the Xbox on a table and he's like testing out the Xbox on a giant TV in this vape store. He gave it a gave it a run. Yeah, he gave it a run just to make sure it turned on and everything worked. Did he have a game ready to go? So he, he just no, and he couldn't even get through the thing because I reset it right because I don't want my stuff on there. So it's yeah. like he was just going through the setup menu, and then it was like put in your Microsoft account. And he's like, "Oh, I don't have a Microsoft account." And I'm like, "All right, well, it turns on and it works, buddy. I don't know what else to tell you." So one thing that you that that you mentioned also that I was kind of thinking a little bit about so the the role of video games so in in your life right now video games hold a hold a place of distraction for you yeah mainly you don't see at least in the games that you're playing you don't see a lot of like personal or social benefit <clears throat> well social sure i mean you're playing with friends yeah, but not enough, like, like not social benefit in the way of like I'm building lasting relationships where I should play one more game with these people to give them a proper goodbye. Right. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, with well, that's what I mean with Destiny. Yeah, I, I met Dan and we're really right. good friends now. And I, and a lot of the guys I played Destiny with, I would I would say I'm, I'm friends with now, but. It just the the pro, the problem wasn't the game, the problem was the balance. Right, right. And. I think 
ultimately, yeah, I do think games are just a distraction. Do, do, now you say that from your perspective, or do you think like games are? I think uh, artistically. Uh huh. I think commentary wise, they don't. They're more of a distraction than anything else. What game, if you had to point to a game, what game would you point to as being kind of the closest thing that you've played to like, oh, that was actually like, that actually meant something? Can you think of a game like that? Or have they all kind of been on the level of distraction? Uh, yes, they've all, I mean, like the metal, I've always loved the Metal Gear story. I think that's a great story. but. In terms of like affecting me in any way, no, I couldn't. I don't think I could name any game. Like even like bio, like the first Bioshock, I think was a good story, but I, I, I mean, it's an it's an okay story. But like, I, I, I'm not gonna. I wouldn't say it's not possible for them to like affect that sort of change, societal change, or to have any sort of commentary. But <clears throat> I think ultimately the focus of a of a game is never it's always going to like it's always going to be the gameplay. I feel mm -hmm. like the gameplay always has to be there because that's what makes it a game. Like if you're going to if you want to tell a story, just make a movie or write a book or write a comic book or something. How elitist. You know what I'm saying though? Like Well, oh, like the the putting a putting the aspect of gameplay to it. The the gameplay aspect of of any video game is so artificial. Is so like forced that it it doesn't make it it has to be the the pinnacle of the product. Because you look at games like Heavy Rain or like the story games that that developer does like they're story focused, but the gameplay itself is so like weird and bad Jank and janky. Yeah. That it, that it, it's a, it's a focus in and of itself. And it's also ultimately, it's just as a, I don't know, just as a story. Like I couldn't think of any game that has tried to make like sweeping cultural change or commentary. You, you know what I'm saying? Obviously I haven't played every game, but like, I don't know, the, the best games to me are the ones that are fun to play. They're not the ones that I have to sit through hours of cutscenes, even though I did just talk about Metal Gear. Mm -hmm. Well, I think because the one thing that, especially in this climate, which we've already talked about, you know, I think that I, I evaluate art as, and we've had these conversations, you know, of like, what's the value of it? But I was talking to Elise, and Indy is reading uh, through the Harry Potter books. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he's reading like a maniac. I mean, he is. And we've noticed even before the Harry Potter series, you know, he read through The Hobbit and um, Chronicles of Narnia and some other stuff. His vocabulary is like growing. He's able to kind of put words together that I wouldn't have thought to to use sometimes, mm -hmm. and uh, 
And it's really encouraging to to see. And he's getting really good marks in school and getting like special notes on his reading abilities and stuff. And we're talking about how <gasps> there's a direct corollary between reading and vocabulary mm-hmm. where you see the benefit, you see the value. Reading has an objective value to it. And it really is true that it doesn't matter really what you read. Reading itself is an important act to develop your brain, expand, <clears throat> hopefully expand your ideas um, about things. Mm-hmm. So what's the value of games? You know, and what's the value of movies? Do they have the same kind of objective value as books? Or is their value different and more limited? more limited maybe where it's like even if it does even if it can engage you and challenge you it's probably better if we're talking about benefit to a young mind or to a mind in general it's probably better just to pick up a book and read that yeah well i mean i think ultimately there's only so much vocabulary you can learn (laughs) you mean at some point I don't know because I mean, like I've read a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah, and I still feel no, like my vocabulary could. But I feel like at, at some point the value becomes more about the story you're reading and the right, lessons at some point you have to transition. Right, the lessons that, or sort of the commentary that the story provides, that becomes the bigger reward or the bigger uh, motivator than vocabulary right you you know what i'm saying or like writing styles and so for me it's stories right and so the those are i think this the story is what is <clears throat> is what's going to change people's minds it's what's going to provide a different perspective right and i just think the story is I just feel like the story could has a harder time being the center. It has a hard time being the star of a video game. Well, because if you're focusing so much on story that you're not playing the game, then why is it a game? Like, you know what I mean? You think of like gone home or games like that, Mm -hmm. where it's like a lot of people would argue that they're not even games. You know what I mean? It's like, they're 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 derivatively called walking King simulators because you're yeah. not doing anything. Well, no, but I but again, I think that's where you know I I do think that that games have a value. I think they have like, a value, li- li- like reading. I think walking sims almost especially do. I think Gone Home really challenged me on a narrative level, and in that way, hit my empathy. Which, which I think is something that we could probably use a lot more of in this world. It's just an ability to watch a story happen and not think that's stupid. You know, like I think that that to me might be like one of the biggest dragons to slay in our modern culture. It's just to get people to like watch, like, you know, Gone Home is a great example, which is a, you, you played through the whole thing, right? Mm, I didn't play Gone Home. Oh. What walking sim have you played? Firewatch. Firewatch. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. 
So like Gone Home or Firewatch, where, you know, in, in Firewatch, you're being forced to engage with this man's decisions as it revolves around his wife. And I think at some level of the game, did you ever think like, why am I doing this? This is stupid. Probably. See, I think that that though is the value of a game like that is to push through that and actually connect with that character and try to let the story work on you as taking this character situation for real or like honestly. And I think games sometimes can obscure that because people think like whatever it is, oh, this is just a game or like cartoons, right? Oh, this is just a cartoon. I can't take a cartoon seriously. But again, we talked about like Adventure Time, which I think has like real value in the ideas it puts across. But in t- to me, that's the good thing about games is that they do force you to consider something in a form that you might not see value in. Or like in Firewatch, his hands are so cartoony, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it, I think it's beautiful as as an like a artistic representation, but you're still like clearly like a very cartoony man mm-hmm. running around a completely cartoony universe. But you're dealing with like real things. I, I don't know. I really like that challenge that games can provide you if you're open to it, or if you just kind of again close your mind off to it. And you don't allow your empathy to extend to like a game, then the value's not there. Uh, yeah, but I don't, I'm not the idea of like a cartoonish art style drawing attention to, I don't know what I, I, I'm not, that's just not clicking for like, I don't again we approach games differently too in that like I'm playing to like if I'm playing a game and you're giving me the option to skip every single thing <laughs> where I'm it. not actually playing the game yeah. I will skip those things because right. I want to play the game. Yeah, but I, I but when the game is like a walking sim, I think they is trying to force you to have a different kind of experience that maybe I'm more yeah, tuned to. And I liked Firewatch, but I don't see the I don't see the like cultural value it brings. Like it didn't change my mind about anything or I didn't feel like it like even particularly like told a like compelling story. Like it firewatch is built around sort of a central mystery of like what's going to happen next. Well, or like where, what happened to your wife or something? And ultimately the mystery is solved and you're just kind of like, oh, it was just a, just kind of like a murder mystery. (laughs) No. So Firewatch is a game where you play as a man whose wife is experiencing early onset dementia, Alzheimer's. And she is needing more and more care. And you as a husband are not being great as she's struggling. Mm -hmm. You're not paying her enough attention and you're just kind of dealing with this because you're young, she's young. You should have your, you know, 
more than half your life left together. Right. And eventually gets to the point where um, she almost gets injured because you're not there. And then her parents come and kind of like take her away. And you decide like, I'm just going to get away for a little bit. I'm going to let her parents look after her. And I'm going to go work this fire watch job at this uh, national park and just spend a summer, you know, walking around the park and trying to figure things out. Yeah. As you're walking around this park, all of a sudden a mystery kind of, you know, opens up and, and you start like exploring this, this potential mystery. The whole time you're also connecting to like your supervisor who's across at another firewatch station, who's kind of feeding you instructions and then also talking to you. Mm-hmm. And there's some decisions that you can make throughout the game that will have her react to you differently. So I didn't even know that this happened, but at one point I looked over at her um, firewatch station and that triggered like a personal engagement that we had where we started kind of like connecting on a personal level. And by the end of the game, you never see her. She leaves and you're left. And you also have this idea of like, maybe she didn't even exist. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe this was all in your head. Mm -hmm. And that's one level of it. But I think more than that, I felt a connection to that character through my character. And that to me had an enriching, you know, kind of effect on me whether it was to just kind of like, again, empathetically connect to somebody else or to be in this, you know, experience of this guy who's kind of lost in his relationship and lost in his life a little bit and looking for some traction. And then this mystery comes along. And to me, it all kind of built to something that actually had an impact on me in the same way Gone Home did. But I think both stories could operate in a way where you say like, yeah, I just walked around a park for you know four hours of gameplay and solve the mystery and then jumped on a helicopter you know yeah but but i think that that now i don't know how how to engage or i don't know if if games or art has have the ability to like convince you of their value if you have to go in kind of buying into their value in order to like access that but i'm dealing with it too with like chris um Every time Oscar season comes around, he tries to watch all the movies. Mm-hmm. And then he endle- he will inevitably make fun of me for like the movies that <laughs> I will like, which are like all the pretentious like uh-huh. art, like mean nothing films. And uh, that approach to me is just like, I'm not even going to fight it, but it just comes up every single year. I just want to be like, listen, the, the film does not lack value. It's not because it's voted for an Oscar, but I find that when people dismiss a work of art, what they're really saying is that artist doesn't know anything and I know better than that artist. Mm-hmm. But that director has made some pretty good films. So he watched Call Me By Your Name. Hated it. I've, hated I've never it. even heard of that. Yeah, he hated the movie. Uh-huh. And he's just like, you're going to love it. It's so stupid. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, the, and the response to me is just like, again, you you can talk about your experience of like, I didn't like it, but to say like that thing has no value calls into question all the people at Maiden says like they have no value or their perspective has no value. Sure. 
But I think the better question to ask is what is the value in this thing? Like how much value can I get out of this experience? And go in there like giving giving the film or giving the book or giving the game all the cachet that you can to say like, give me something back here. I will give you everything. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't re- return, then you'd be like, yeah, that was boring. That was bad. I didn't like it. But to go in there and say like, hey, I'm already suspicious of what you got for me or I'm not going to open myself up to like what you can offer me. I'm just going to open myself up to like just engage me, just distract me for a few hours. Mm-hmm. You're going to limit its impact on you sure. already. You know what I mean? But I don't know how to like convince or if somebody can be convinced or how that, how that transition happens. Like what, what would it need to look like for Chris to move from somebody who watches Call Me By Your Name about a 17-year-old boy's summer fling with another man in Italy while his father uncovers beautiful ancient artifacts and he has a sexual awakening. Mm-hmm. Uh, all to the tunes of Sufjan Stevens, who wrote. Oh, boy. Yeah, two, two songs for it. Mm-hmm. To somebody who like watches that film and within the first five minutes is like, no. Yeah. And, and does that need to happen? Like, uh, Well, there, no, there, I don't think it does need to happen. I mean... I don't know. Everybody's different, I guess. I, I, I mean, I think it. Part of it is just like, yeah, it's it's what you get out of. It. Like, I don't play games for that stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I'm not saying that it that it does. Well, I will say that I don't think that the the sort of cultural touchstones that movies and books can bring. I don't think like games are there yet in terms of like commentary. That's mm-hmm. not to say they'll never be there. But it's also not what I play games for. Mm-hmm. Like, I play a game because I want to beat it. You know what I mean? To, like, put it <laughs> really simply. But, like, I play it because the mechanics are fun. And I want to, like, do my best at it. You know what I mean? Like, you look at, like, what I was playing towards the end of my playing time. I was playing PUBG. Mm-hmm. And I was playing multiplayer destiny i was playing purely to beat other people yeah it's the only reason i was playing i did not care about the story in destiny there's obviously no story in PUBG. i was playing purely to beat other people that's what i found enjoyable so okay so i guess for for me to just let me ask one question um so I'm going to tip my hand and, and probably sound very pretentious and I do not mean it that, that way, but I just want to ask the straight up question, just hear your answer. Um, so we all can play games to like whatever, pass the time or experience a, a great game, you know, and be entertained. Same thing with a book and a, and a film. But the one thing that we all have are relationships. We all have kind of inner lives that we're wrestling with in one way or another, whether it's to be like more caring or thoughtful towards other people, or we all have political uh, ideas, you know, whether we, however overt those are or not. And I guess my, my question is, in 
what ways are people being challenged and are they missing an opportunity to challenge themselves in those ways more directly by engaging art? To me, that seems like the shallow end of the pool, like just step in and just like you're already watching movies or you're already playing games, like play Gone Home, but like don't allow your brain to say like, oh, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Like stop, block that and push through to be like, why did this person or these people spend so much time telling me this story? And why would the story of what ends up, spoiler alert, being just a girl who realizes that she, you know, uh, loves another girl and kind of runs away with her. Mm -hmm. Why does that have value? And why would somebody else find value in that story? You know, to me, by asking that question, you are actually making yourself or challenging yourself in a way that can objectively be kind of like, like the Grinch scale. Like you can grow your heart a little bit, you know what I mean? Like we're 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 working with a shriveled prune. I think a lot of us, and it's like, how can we get that prune like expanded? And yeah. I just don't know. Like I just don't see why people, or I guess I don't see where they're getting that from a daily life experience if they're not accessing it through again, like art. Like where else do you get that? Because. My day is filled with a nine to five, trying to manage my time and my weight and my relationships or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just have no time to intake on that in that way. And so like films, art, games are basically like, hey, come here. We will help you become a better like husband or a better father or just a better person to other people. If you just play us not looking to just get all the achievements and move on. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Those things haven't always existed. You don't have to use those things to become a better person. I think that's just how you do it. Keith no, Krepko. Well, well, I think, but I mean, all these things are new art forms, right? I mean, sure. people couldn't watch a film 150 years ago. Right. You know, the history of but film But they were is, still good husbands 150 no, years no, no, ago. No, no, no. Yeah, but I think, it, I think because in some ways, again... Not to say that you have to be a good husband, but I'm saying that you can always be expanding those Open-minded, right, right? yeah, right? sure. And, and so, no, I think that you could always access those things. And again, I'm not saying that everybody starts in the dark and has to move into the light by playing Gone Home. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is, is that you can grow up being like a very caring, loving person. But if you read like a good story about somebody who like cares for somebody else, Again, going back to like <clears throat> Jesus taught in stories, I think because stories have value. He didn't just tell people like, be good to other people. He was like, let me tell you a story of, you know, the good Samaritan. And these are things that you don't have to be religious to like, know to have been passed down to you. Like, here's a story about being kind to other people or like Proverbs, you know, Chinese parables, like. All these things that people tell and that have existed for millennia, I don't think they only existed because they're good stories. I think they exist because they actually like teach you a lesson. They actually have like a personal value, like a growth value, gro- a growth quotient on them. Mm-hmm. Does that? Do you agree with that? Like, do, does that make sense? I feel like I feel like 
games are breaking off a piece of that. Films are breaking off a piece of that. And they're new art forms, but they're, but they're growing and I'm interested in them and they engage me in that way. Sure. Um, I agree with everything you're saying. Okay. I just don't, I'm not as concerned with finding that level of value in every art form. I'm perfectly happy to say to myself, if I'm playing a game, I want to play that game. <laughs> if I want a good story, I'm not picking up a video game looking for that. <laughs> I will watch a movie or read a book. Okay. And I'm not closing myself off to it. Right. Right. right? There are plenty of, like I've, like I've said, there are plenty of games that I've played that had good stories, but it just is not my go-to. So can I ask if I'm, you? If I'm playing a game, it is a distraction. Okay. So book or film? What was the last one that you uh, that you cried at? Cried? <laughs> uh, I I said that because I know that there yeah, probably is one. I couldn't tell you about. But but what what's one that like? Is there a book or a film that you could point to that you were like, hey, you know, like this is something I'd like to pass on to my kids or be like, this meant a lot to me. Maybe you should read it or give it a chance or. That taught you something? I mean, there are like older, like, like I remember distinctly. The Giving Tree? Yeah. His books are strange. Oh, yeah. Shel no, Silverstein, he's yeah. a strange dude. Um, but I remember distinctly, um, there were two Japanese movies. And I can't remember the name of the second one, but the first one was Fires on the Plane. Yeah. I remember that movie distinctly you made changing, me watch it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Changing my perspective on war. Mm -hmm. And there's a second one that I can't remember the name of now, but it also did the same. Letters from Iwo Jima. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Flags of Our Fathers. Yeah. That's the um, so there's like movies like that. Of course, I wouldn't recommend that to my toddlers. Right. But like, yeah, like the Disney movies we, we watch. I mean, this was something that I was thinking about with like Zootopia. Cause I thought Zootopia was so heavy, heavy handed in its racial message. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard to say, like, I don't think a lot of this conversation is hard for me is because I don't have a lot of those touchstones that are like, I watched fires on the plane and it distinctly changed my yeah. mind. A lot of it is just, this is everything I've seen and read and played for the past 35 years of my life. And this is the person I am now. So what makes it's you all the, just an amalgamation? What makes you this loving teddy bear of a, of a human <laughs> exactly. that you are? I don't want to know. I want to. I want to get to that film yeah. or that book. But it's like that. It's like New York trilogy has distinctly shaped the way I read mm -hmm. books and like think about stories and narrative and stuff like that. But there's not a lot of those. Yeah, I think that to me has always been something that's like, you know, I, I think that I was maybe insufferable uh, growing up because I identified so much in these ways and saw such clear value in it. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I see the value in it. I right. just don't think for me, it's not, it's not ever as 
life changing as as the minute I walk out of a movie, I'm like looking at the world in a different way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and that does happen to me. I think that that in some ways might be DNA. It might just be ingrained in who we are. I mean, my son is me as a kid in a lot of ways that aren't learned behavior. I think he's just like ingrained on in him to be a certain way. I, I, I mean, I think that he could be a variation of who he is, but it made me think like, yeah, there's no way that he would be nine and be much different than who he is right, right now. He'd still be very empathetic, mm-hmm. very caring, very sensitive. But, um, you know, I, I think what, what I would then do is I would look at other people and I would say, how can you watch movies and not have this experience? Like, what makes you keep coming back to movies then? If you're not walking out and feeling like, or walking into a movie and feeling like, this could change me. Like, I'm going yeah. to this thing because I could walk out and be a different person. Right. Because I'm, it's a distraction. Yeah, it's a it's distraction. It's a fun distraction. Yeah, it just makes, that makes and me so. That's this is that's something we've talked a lot about about a lot is there are very two different kind of movie lovers, right? There's someone like you who's looking for all those things from movies that we just talked about. And then there's someone like, uh, who is a movie lover who's seen every single Marvel movie there is. And who has seen all of the big blockbuster movies and like just loves going to movies and watching the big dumb action movies you know what i mean but they love movies but they get they but they get nothing out of it other than this is just a fun distraction mm-hmm. and it's like you know is either of those less valid than the other like i don't know but it's you know it's clear that like that i would i would never expect that person to want to go watch Fires on the Plane or Ron or, you know what I'm saying? Like, here's, here's the, if I could make a documentary, we've talked about this before, I would make a documentary about the person who has watched Fires on the Plane, has watched Ron, uh-huh. and still says, like, stealth is their favorite movie of all time. <laughs> it's- like, those people, I know that they're out there. I've met a few of them. Yeah. Are fascinating to me. The people who literally will watch anything, but just do not get anything that's not more mainstream. Like, they will watch the artistic films and just walk on and be like, right. that was trash. Yeah. And move on with their lives. I just want to be like, why do you keep watching, like, foreign films then? Yeah. You know? Like, that to me is, is a fascinating contradiction. Um. And those people, uh, I think, are the future. I think we need to elect them into <laughs> office. I think they've got uh-huh. something figured out. They know BS when they see it. The other thing, too, I want to say quickly before we move on, I think one of the things holding games back is that its community is the worst community in the world. The people who love to play games are the worst people in the world. See, but I don't know if that the 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 the, the vocal 
minority, minority or possibly majority, majority uh-huh. the vocal gamers are the worst community yes. in the world. But again, I don't know how many of those are like, what's the vocal gone home community like? What's the vocal Firewatch community like? Those seem to be more like people who are following big games or like studios and are getting bent out of shape about their perceived political, you know, issues. I mean, it's the same issues with movies. You've got the video game enthusiasts who love those games and you've got the kid or the guy who loves video games who's only played call of duty since he was 12 you know what i'm saying you know what i do love <laughs> i forgot where i saw this it's hilarious so a big talking point um <laughs> for any kind of corporation or studio or whatever is like we love our fans right that's such a banal that's yeah. just something that you can always fall back on and somebody put up this is a while ago, but I saw on like Reddit, somebody put up like a game developer or whatever was like, we love our fans. Thank you for the feedback, whatever. And then like on the timeline, it was like a day later, they uh, blocked all comment sections on their like <laughs> social media and like website. Like they just like completely shut down when dark. And I do like this idea of like, can you like Marvel, you know, you, you probably couldn't get away with that. Right. Like mm-hmm. if, a, if somebody stood up to a general like crowd that gathered for Marvel and they're like, we love our fans. You're the best. Like then if they brought out like, and here we're announcing Captain Marvel, you know, like get out here mm-hmm. and a girl walks out, they'd all be like, <laughs> you know, what right. I mean? or like Black Panther, get out here. And everyone's like, yeah. like you can't is, I agree with you. Like you can't say like our fans are, it's, it's like our fans. Thanks for your money. That's all we right. can really say. Yeah, like exactly. keep giving us your money. Maybe you're not the best. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as you have money, we don't care. We don't care. Uh, speaking of, um, are you interested at all in Black Panther? Nope. I've literally not seen a comic book movie since the first Thor. Not going to start now. Right. On principle alone. On principle alone. I will, I I know, even if I was interested in seeing a comic book movie, I would not do it on principle alone. So in your spare time, are you just reading through Mein Kampf for the hundredth time? Right. Or? <laughs> I've been playing Golf Story, actually. Oh, yeah. So I've yet to kick my gaming addiction, and I have now pumped 10 hours into Golf Story. Yeah, and that game's like three hours long. So you're well, I'm done. Do. I've 100%ed it. Oh. Well, so are you finding like the Switch as a system? Is it something that you find? Is easier to kind of pick up and put down and manage. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's easier to play sort of like. Because a lot of my playing time, too, would stem from I've got 15 or 30 minutes to do something or to do nothing, basically, in between doing some things. 
And so I would start playing, but then like, you know, destiny or PUBG doesn't really a lot for that. And you end up playing for like an hour or like extending that 30 minutes Mm -hmm. into an hour while in between matches, like running and doing what you have to do real quick and then coming back. Yeah. Um, Isn't it too that like the games on the switch suit themselves much more for, you know, like I'm playing darkest dungeon a lot mm now. I can just turn it off any point right and the switch is gonna keep me right there whether i save it or not and or in a lot of the games i have i can just save really quickly and get off it yeah so i think that's the other thing and it boots right up it's not like an xbox where you have to like load in it's like an ipad and then it's just always on yeah 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 so What's your next game then? Golf Store and and so obviously you, I'm you gonna like be done, golf store. Hopefully, yeah, I liked Golf Store. It was fun. Um, I'm not honestly not interested in anything else. I would. I'm interested in Mario and Zelda, but since the only time I play it is in handheld mode, I'm not interested in playing either of those games in handheld mode. Not Zelda. No. Why not? That's because the screen on the, the Switch sucks. The portable Switch sucks. It's small. The screen sucks. Shut up. Like, I don't want to play a big, massive, nice-looking game on this tiny, bad screen. I'd like to play it on the TV, but I don't want the commitment of that. I liked playing Golf Story because I could play it while I was laying in bed for 30 minutes. Or an hour, or if we're just wasting the night away, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Pick it up like during the All Star game. I could watch the All Star game perfect. as soon as commercials come on, flip it up and start. Oh no, yeah, and put it back down. That, that's I. I play the Switch all through the Olympics. Yeah, Winter Olympics. Um, I don't know, man. You're you're being harsh on the, the screen. It's especially for the for the cost and the price and the. Sure. It's fine. It's fine. It, exactly. If it's you, fine. No, if you played Zelda, you would think it was fine. Yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want to spend time playing something that I think is fine. No, you. No, you'll love it. You'll think it's great, and the screen will not be a problem. Yeah, I. I just don't. I at this point, I just don't want to put those hours into it. Yeah. Well, no, you should. Uh, like, we should find or or you should find just like a short game they haven't played. The thing about the Switch too is. They're adding like thirty games a week, a week. Yeah, which is almost not almost is it's too much. They need like a content, yeah, kind of manager. Um, but you're you're kind of probably more looking forward to their online. Like they're they've announced when is it the end of this year? They're or beginning of twenty nineteen. They're doing their online. Mm-hmm service or whatever and they've hinted big stuff is coming with that so i'm imagining that's some kind of like compatibility to pass nintendo games i'm looking forward to mario tennis so am i mario golf is that coming to the switch i don't know it better i mean mario golf on the 64 was great those are the games i'm looking forward to Mario oh, Tennis man. is so much fun. So much on fun. This N64 was so much fun. I played it so much. Right. So like a game like that that I can play with my daughters is what I'm looking forward to. Golf Story was fun. I played Picross a little bit 
and it was fun for a little bit. And then it just became kind of like, I don't know if I got lazy or if there's not really that much depth to it. But like one of the problems with pick cross is you can just go through and pick all the wrong boxes until you find the right ones. Oh no, you can't. You're using like the helps. <laughs> just using however it comes. Like I didn't change anything. What do you mean? I didn't. Ch- I haven't changed any of the settings. No, but 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 like you're... if you pick a wrong thing, it just tells you it's wrong. Oh no no no! You have a help. You you have an aid on. You can turn that off. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. That so that's how I've been playing it. Oh god, no, that's terrible. I mean, I've been going through and trying to find the right ones. But if I pick one and it's wrong, she's like, oh, that one's wrong. So it's like, okay, whatever. I just. Turn that off. <laughs> okay. Turn... Yeah, you're not playing the game. <clears throat> yeah. You're playing something completely. But different. other than that, I'm not, you know, I, I, and again, I sold the Xbox to cut down on playing time. So, like, I'm, I love playing Mario Kart with the girls, uh, but playing Mario Kart by myself not that much fun. Listen, this whole conversation is just me worried about how are you going to grow your Grinch heart? Now. <laughs> right. I'm afraid that your Grinch heart is just going to shrink. Right. And the little growth that it had through communicating with us in PUBG, now that's gone? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where you're drawing yeah. your... Uh, I'm not sure either, to be honest. But who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. One other thing that I wanted to talk briefly or quickly about, because I'm always interested with you, since there are so few things that truly interest you. Um, what are you looking forward to? So we already identified like Mario Tennis, Mario Golf, which does not exist right now. I'm sorry to say. Right. Um, but like, I think one thing that we're going to talk about that I think you're excited about is Annihilation. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. Or this week, actually. Yeah. Friday. Friday. We need to coordinate. Yeah. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see Annihilation. Um, that's something else that I don't know how people deal with. And I don't know if I'm in just like a weird place. I know I'm in a weird place. (laughs) You're but I don't know if it's weird, a universal weird, or if it is something that's, but it's like, I feel like most of the time I'm just waiting for the end of the day. I'm just waiting for the next thing. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I'm just sort of like doing one thing, but what I'm thinking is, I'm just waiting for like the next hour to come by or whatever. You, you know what I'm saying? And it's obviously. I so so you just end up sort of like I'm just trying to waste time, basically. And so, yeah, that is an issue where it's like even with PUBG or with Destiny, it did become a thing where it was like, I'm just doing this to pass the time, like especially with PUBG. That game got so frustrating. And instead of like stopping because I was frustrated, I was like, well, I don't have anything else to do until <laughs> so just, 1130 when I pick my dollar, my daughter up from school. So I just keep doing this. You know what I'm saying? But I wasn't really enjoying it. Um, so I don't know. I'm not I don't I don't look forward to stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like I have to find some way to get out of where I'm able to enjoy my life minute by minute. Right. But I'm in a place where I am just like, and maybe some of that is like parenting where it's like, because you're like so concerned with making sure that like your kids are getting by or like have what they need. But yeah, I'm definitely in a place where it just is like, I don't even know how to describe it, I guess. But yeah, a lot of my time is spent just like anticipating, anticipating the next, the next thing. Right. I'm not like, I'm just anticipating getting through whatever I'm currently doing. Well, I think that brings us back to why do this? Which, you know, starting off, you're like, you're like, I don't even know that I want to do this. Which, oh, I know that I don't want to do this. You don't want to do this podcast? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> okay. That was one. Or I that, didn't all day today, at least, I okay. should say. <laughs> See, that, that was one thing I, that I also want to talk about briefly. But I feel like for me, the way that I slow things down is to record it. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, on the one hand, you can slow things down, although I think, it, I think all of life is anticipation, right? In some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. I mean, even if you are a content creator, you know, the next thing after what you create becomes like the thing. Like, what are you doing next? Wait, I got to come up with something else. Or mm-hmm. I got to do something new. Um, but I think that it is something for me where, like, even if I'm writing reviews, for myself or even if I'm talking to you about something it in some ways gives that experience some more validity mm-hmm. or if nothing else it helps slow down the expectation and sit you in that moment or to help you wrestle with that thing which is why I like podcasts so much and which is why I feel like I need to in some ways be like writing about my experience of it um, even if it's on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. I'm like making a list. I'm writing some reviews. Yeah, and so I think I think to me that's the value of this podcast. I think that we joke sometimes about you know how little this means and how the general consensus is true. Like everybody has a podcast, mm-hmm. or to have a podcast in some ways is like a tacit validation that you have something to say or that you have value right which is something that we have actively i think fought against Mm -hmm. in the fact that we've named our podcast everything Mm -hmm. you literally cannot find us by searching it's impossible (laughs) yeah you know i mean we we've we've buried ourselves (laughs) in in the (laughs) in the algorithm yeah and um but i think that our conversations have value it's like if we did not do this podcast, we would not have these conversations. If we didn't have these conversations, then, yeah, I might just be at home anticipating the next thing yeah. with absolutely no way to, like, pause or consider what I've experienced or what's happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about that, too, today. I don't necessarily agree with the idea that our conversations matter. But do, but do they matter to you? They matter to me. I enjoy our conversations. 
like I looked like like when we when you came over for the Super Bowl or when you came over to watch the Olympics, I looked forward to that. I liked having you and Elise and Indy over and making the food and and all those conversations. I don't necessarily agree or think that the these conversations should be recorded for the world. Mm-hmm. And it was something I was thinking about maybe as I was running, but these, I <laughs> enjoy, this may sound really harsh. I enjoy our conversations. Uh-huh. I like talking with you. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure everyone in their life has people they like talking to. Yeah. Right? But that doesn't inherently make those conversations valuable or like, or, or I, and when I say valuable, I'm framing it in the sense of recording it and releasing it as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it has value to me in my life. I don't necessarily think, I, I don't think that those conversations need to be released as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I used to think I used to try and position the podcast in my mind as like we are the middle of the road guys. Mm-hmm. Like we're not the smartest, we're not the funniest, we're not the anythingist, mm-hmm. but it's a just a representation of a regular conversation hopefully it's just something that people can relate to but that's kind of i think that's kind of boring (laughs) like it makes me think of um there's a paul oster book called the brooklyn follies Mm -hmm. which i read and i liked but the entire time i'm reading it i'm thinking this book is kind of rambling not really going anywhere i don't really see the point and then it closes, and, and this is going to sound really cheap, but it works. It closes with the trade centers being attacked. And then you sort of realize that the book is kind of a memorial to all of the just regular people who mm-hmm. died in those attacks and just the regular people in the world. And it works in that sense. And it really made me sort of think that like, yeah, everyone has a story and in a very generous human condition sense, those stories are interesting and they matter, but really they don't, they're not that interesting. I feel like Mm -hmm. because like the entire time I'm reading the book, 300 plus pages, I'm thinking, where's this going? I'm not getting the thread. This is kind of boring. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can frame it in a way that makes it seem meaningful. But ultimately, I mean, I think the universality is meaningful. But I don't know if that's enough to, to convince me that the podcast is, serves a, a purpose, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that there is something to say, like, 
I, I've said this before. Like, if I die, these podcasts become more meaningful. Yeah. Because I can't have these conversations with my son. Well, and ultimately, too, like, we're not hurting anybody. Like, Listen, we're not, yeah. like, taking up any real space. I, I, would, I would say this. This is why I want to do it. But, but I'm very sympathetic to your perspective. And I do not, we do not have to do this. Especially if it's going to cause you time and effort and <laughs> money, especially, that you're like, right. I'm not willing to put in on a project that I don't see the value in. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I, I will say on the one hand, that first, my, my, my first kind of explanation, I think is my primary one, that this is just another way to have object permanence mm-hmm. on the things that I experience and watch and read and whatever else. Um, I think the second thing is I, I for, for a long time had this idea and I think that this too became like a mill of the road, like get over yourself thing too. You're like, I don't matter. The, the way for me to say anything that matters is to understand how much I don't matter. Mm-hmm. That way I don't speak anything out of an idea of like, Hey, I got something to say and you all need to hear it, mm-hmm. you know? I think there's something to that where that is a there's a fine line between that being humble and that being self-aggrandizing where it's like woe is me like I'm I'm a worm no one should listen to me and then people are like no no what you have to say it's like really you want to hear me okay <laughs> uh, you know what I mean yeah like so I I still want to say like yeah listen nobody I'm not saying anything yeah like new here I'm not saying anything of like value but I did at some point have to come to grips that there are people in whatever way, shape, or form who can take value from from me or from what I have to say. Yeah. I know that there's one person that listens to this that actually does take real value in what we say and has like really talked to me a lot about the value of what we say. Right. Even as I've said, like, that's not like my intention was not to sit there and change somebody's mind about something. But, you know, he'll, he said like, no, this is meaningful. These conversations have value. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, you know, the fact that one person out there is like, this is value to me also is another secondary reason to like, be like, nope, this has value. Like if one person's drawing value from it, then who am I to say like, it's meaningless. They're saying it does have value. As mm-hmm. how, however meaningless I think this is. Yeah. So I think I think that's the other the other kind of argument in in doing it. Uh is that it's not theoretical. There is somebody out there who's like, no, it's helpful. Yeah. Really helpful. So I'm like, okay, well then why why wouldn't I do it? Because like you said, we're not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to climb the charts. We're not stopping to read about Casper mattresses. We don't have a merch store. Mm-hmm. And and our and our perspectives, like you said, are not super informed or we're not going to like, I'm not writing policy tomorrow for mm-hmm. the White House. Like, so I can stand here and say what I want and, you know, in that have value. Yeah. I think one, I think the one thing that would, the one thing that I need to the one thing that I need is a is 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 regularity, right? right? Because taking the the breaks is 
it just it just yeah it just feeds into this idea of like i don't need to do this i don't want to fool with it i would just rather not right yeah whereas if we're doing it on a weekly basis there is an anticipation to it and some of it too is is yeah i obviously have the tendency to just completely withdraw into myself <laughs> yeah. whenever the opportunity is presented, right? So as soon as I see a window to be like, hey, I can just sit here and not say anything, I'm going to take that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, just because that's what's most comfortable for me. That's what I like to do. Uh, so yeah, I, it's not that I don't want to do it. It just is that I'm so used to not doing it. and. Some of it too is is yeah I I do strongly relate to the idea of I'm not going to be the smartest person talking about this I'm not going to be the funniest I'm not going to have the most interesting or nuanced or or relatable take so I would rather just let those people handle it than spend my time doing it. And listen, who else is going to hold Ben Shapiro to account? <laughs> Chapo. Just retrograde. listen to Chapo. <laughs> they don't do it enough. They That's, don't do it I enough. will agree with that, but they've done it a lot. Yeah. They'll do it more. way better than we could. I need more. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. All right. Let's. Let's talk about the ritual. You watched it. I did. <clears throat> okay. At work. At I night, watched it at home. Was, okay. Yeah. While the girls were napping. So I actually watched it. Uh-huh. Full attention. Good. Maybe fell asleep for a couple minutes, but uh-huh. I did not. Pretty sure I didn't miss anything. Listen, I, I, at this point, I assume that you will have fallen asleep. <laughs> right. So I take that as a, as a granted. I thought it was all right. I didn't think it was anything special, to be honest. Um, it looked great. Like, it, the director obviously has a really good vision. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, it's pr- a pretty much paint-by-numbers horror movie. I think I like as soon as they get in the woods, you know what's going to happen for the rest of the movie. I agree, but I think the two things that make it stand out is the eye and then the detail of what happens to these people. So the ritual involves uh, a group of friends who are looking for a like a trip to go on together. Right. And one of them wants to go hiking, the other Others want to go someplace more exotic. And one of the friends runs into like a all night, like Mart convenience store, convenience store. And this guy wants to go hiking that no one is too excited to go uh, on his trip. Goes in with this guy. And there happens to be a robbery. Mm-hmm. One of the guys hides and the guy who wants to go hiking just kind of gets caught standing there. He kind right. of freezes. Yeah. Of course, we know what happens. Uh-huh. You know, the the guy who's hiding has like a bottle and you see him holding it. And he's trying to think about when he's going to maybe go be a hero. And while he's sitting there waiting and not acting, 
his friend ends up getting murdered. Right. Killed because he refuses to give up his, his wedding ring. His wedding ring. So now they have to go out into the woods and. Uh, right. So as a testament vigil to, to this friend, they go on his hiking trip. And of course, they go to these old woods and they end up trying to walk through them to do a shortcut. One of them hurts his knee. Right. And no, one of them gets hurt. And so then they say, instead of taking their way back, which would take a long time, we can cut through the woods. Right. Since this guy's hurt. Paint by numbers. Right. Totally agree. Set up, wedding ring, friends, woods, da 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 da. The thing that sets it apart, number one, is the look. Uh, and so yeah. this guy's having flashbacks to his uh, cowardice yeah. in the in the convenience store, and this guy will put it like in the woods. You know, he keeps having these like visions. So right, it's be, like, melding the two settings, melding together. the two settings together in a way that is gorgeous. It looks great. It looks great, and it's really really well done. But what also set it apart for me, they find a cabin. And they go yeah. spend a night in the cabin. Yeah. As they're all like huddled around, one of them goes upstairs to take a look and they see this like figure, this like statue. Yeah. And uh, it's made out of hay and sticks and stuff. And it looks pretty creepy. And they all look at it and they don't know what it is. And so they go back downstairs. They stay up as, for as long as they can. And they all like huddle together and fall asleep. Well, one of them wakes up outside, which is one of my all, like, that is one of my fears, one of my primal fears. It's sharks, and it's falling asleep somewhere safe <laughs> and waking up okay, somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Sure. Um, so already, so he has this dream, this nightmare. He ends up outside, and he has, like, a claw mark in his chest. No, no, no. The the coward guy has the claw mark. Right, right. Yeah. The guy, right. the other. Oh, okay. The other guy who woke up just peed himself. Right. One guy just had a nightmare and he's pissed himself. Right. But he's also kind of like the toughest guy of the group. Right. One guy is having a horrific nightmare in the corner, mm-hmm. and one of the guys is missing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they go upstairs, and he is n- naked worshiping this thing like in his sleep he's like bowing down mm-hmm. to it and they wake him up and he has no idea how he got there what happened just that idea alone is the pinnacle of what i look for in a horror film yeah the ideas are so like well conveyed because again the film looks great uh, but then also the ideas are so kind of primally terrifying mm-hmm. to the point that it is funny, but like what's more scary than like the, one of the toughest guys just being like, I pissed, I mm-hmm. pissed myself. Like that's all you have to be. And I'm ter- I'm terrified right. is the, it's funny and the best way to get that idea right. across. And then to have a guy naked worshiping the thing. Yeah, that was really creepy. That was really creepy. So now they are uh, terrified and trying to make a decision. Do they try and pull out from where they are or Mm. keep going to try and do the shortcut? Again, we're back on the paint by numbers kind of road and their group starts to fracture a little bit. And they start seeing these symbols on the trees. Well, 
the film pivots. And again, I think visually they, you start seeing the sign of like inhabitants. There's kind of like old torches. There's things in the trees. They come across a dead body that's kind of been placed up in a tree. And they come across these people who are kind of like living, worshiping this thing. And some of them start getting murdered and chased and all this stuff. But I have to say, without really spoiling the last third, the idea is, again, there's a worship room that happens that the guy stumbles into. Maybe you slept through that looking by the, the glazed. No. Oh, okay. You know that? So yep. the worship room with the voices, I, I mm-hmm. thought that was a great idea. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, and then also the monster, which yeah. previously had been seen by like the shaking, like trees shaking, which I really like. And they're not showing you this thing that's chasing them, which I think was a great idea. And when they actually showed it, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be low budget. This is going to be rough. But I thought the creature design. Yeah, uh, it's done well. Was really, really, really mm-hmm. done well. It's uh, it's it's an issue that I've run in with, like, a lot of stuff, like with American Gods. It's like oh, the show. No, the book. Okay. It's um, it's based at least the end is based on like Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not familiar with any of that stuff, and it's like like that like American Gods is a similar thing where it's like I had no idea what I was reading when I was reading American Gods until I looked it up and I was like, oh yeah, these are all just like mythological figures, and there's like all of this background knowledge you have to have to understand what's going on or to understand it on a deeper level at least i'm just not familiar with any of that stuff so apparently uh, like all of that is um or some of that is tied into like the end of the ritual which i feel like would have helped me understand it a little bit more mm-hmm. or maybe gotten into a little bit more but ultimately it ended up just e- even though like like you said i think all of that stuff is done really well it still did not, outside of that cabin scene, it did not go beyond just like I said, like paint by numbers. Like it's done really well. The flashbacks are really good. Um, it all looks really good. And the cabin scene is really creepy. But after that, like you said, it's like you could have written the rest of that movie in your sleep. They start to, there's some infighting. They get picked off one by one and eventually you're at like a wicker man esque little town and, and then the resolution at the end. So I think we should talk about like what the, uh, some of the themes. And so the story is kind of centered around this guy who wimps out at the beginning. Right. And that's how you, Introduced the movie to me, and that's why I, I watched it the day after you recommended it uh. because of the setup. And you asked me, you sort of give this opening scenario and ask what you would do. <clears throat> and it was kind of hard to answer it because I hadn't seen the movie yet. 
But I can definitively say after seeing the movie, I would not have done what that guy did. Okay. <laughs> that guy, as soon as the robbers came out, like, so they're in this convenience store and like they're standing in an aisle together and they're like, something looks a little off here. As soon as these robbers came out of the back room, this guy bolted and hid behind an aisle so quickly that his friend was just kind of like, wait a minute, where did he go? I definitely would not have done that. Right. But the rest of the movie is kind of about the torment that he's going through because of that decision. And then at the end, I feel like he kind of gets, what did you feel like the end said for his mental so, state? Yeah, so I feel like his cowardice uh, was what that creature identified in him. Mm-hmm. That it, that's what it wanted. I think because that creature, its worshipers are all people who have a deficiency of some kind, whether it's they're cowards or they're running from something or they're looking for something to Mm -hmm. like absolve them of something, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't want somebody who's strong, which is why it kills uh, the guy from Downton Abbey first. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because it needs to kind of control these people. Uh, and it, it, I think it shows its disdain when it kills its own followers, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think it's going to rebuild with this coward that it knows it can control. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he finally kind of absolves himself of his cowardice and stands up to, you know, a greater fear than what he experienced in that convenience store. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I think, you know, the ending is, I would tend to be on the more kind of hopeful in quotes. He's stood up for himself, but he's lost all of his friends and he's had this <laughs> traumatic experience. He is never going to be the same. Yeah. It's not like he's skipping out and now he's like, I chased my demons away. Right. Like he probably is not having a really good life after that. Yeah. But in that moment, I think for if we're talking about the cowardice, he he overcame that to defeat yeah. or at least escape. He didn't defeat the thing, but he escaped it. Yeah, I thought it was interesting and maybe kind of flawed that in order for this guy who made a really bad decision to to get redemption (laughs) over that decision, a bunch of people had to die, including all of his really close friends. Um, So that kind of ruined it a little bit for me. Any sort of redemption, I guess, or like meaning that you could have pulled from that, but well, a, I you know it's a movie. Yeah. Well, go. Well, I guess so. Um, one thing with the with the guy, I, I have to say too, just what the creature did at the end. Do you remember it? Like did the symbol over him when he had gotten out of the woods, right? Like the mm-hmm. symbol on the trees. Mm-hmm. When you realize like what the symbol is, mm-hmm. that kind of cohesion is something else I look for in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie had it where. Throughout its story, it connected its dots with the characters and with the lore of that the film itself established. I felt like I knew the rules that 
that creature abided by. You know, yeah. in little ways that they signified, like, let's make the shortcut to the boundary of the wood that the thing could not or did not go past mm-hmm. to chase him, um, where it is contained to this spot and what it looks for, the cowardice was also tied in. It wasn't just like a thematic thing that didn't really have value. Mm -hmm. And I would say that, again, going back to that that cabin, the only other horror movie idea that has carried as much weight as that cabin scene did is standing in the corner of the Blair Witch. Right. That, to me, is probably the most frightening thing I've seen on film Mm -hmm. just somebody standing in a corner abiding to their own logic that you don't understand but you know that there's logic there it Mm -hmm. is he's being forced to stand in that corner or he has seen something that has made him choose to stand in that corner and even right now i'm terrified (laughs) just even conceptually so i think to me this film goes a long way in establishing that and again the same thing goes. The reason why that's so terrifying is because the Blair Witch has an internal logic that is consistent to itself. Mm-hmm. It has a specific lore that it is telling that you can understand if you pay attention uh, and if you engage in the film, even with some of the other things they did on the website, and mm-hmm. like I did, where I just learned the lore around it. Um, so I think that, to me, is, is what is the most terrifying thing. Yeah. Um, these broader ideas. Uh, I think the film does that extremely well. So I think that to me is what set it apart. But going back to like what I brought up in the first place, the one thing that I forgot, because I kind of watched the beginning again after yeah. we talked. He spends a long time holding a bottle <laughs> and not doing anything. <laughs> and so the question that I specifically posed to you was, you know, if that was you and I, would you feel more comfortable with like an every man for himself? Like you jump over to the counter and I jump over this rack of chips and we're, we're hiding versus if it was like our spouses, mm-hmm. which I feel like we're not moving before our spouses. move, Right. That's mm-hmm. pretty guaranteed. Right. Would I'm not that? moving period. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I was trying to get at. So more than, not using that guy as a as an example because I agree in the in as it's portrayed in the film he's clearly a coward right and he clearly stays where he is for too he gets there too fast you're yeah. absolutely right he's, he's hilarious he was ready to run no matter who came out of that door his friends could have come in right. and jumped behind there yeah. um but then he has this bottle and he doesn't use he doesn't you know do anything he could but if it's you and I you still basically wait for me to kind of like agree to our decision before we make a move. You don't make a move independent of me. You look at me, I look at you and we'd be like, hide. Or we look at you and we're like, just stay still or just give them whatever they want. I, I mean, there's there. The problem is there's no room in that scenario to communicate with someone else without the people knowing what you're talking about, right? Because they were right in front of him. They have like a gun or whatever pointed at Mm -hmm. him. So it's not like I could like give you the side eye while they're like holding a gun on me. You know what I mean? So I feel like you have to act independently. I expect you to give me the side eye. 
<laughs> I'd be waiting for a signal of some sort. I, I don't would be think, ready to. I mean, unless they like would turn and go to somewhere else where you could talk about it, I don't think you could. So I, I completely agree. I think that I would stand there no matter who was with me. If it was you or my spouse, definitely if it was Indy. Um, now, in a situation like that, are you already mentally in a place where you'd say, they can have whatever they want from me. Are you giving them literally yeah. everything? See, now that's the more interesting conversation to me because <clears throat> I know the right answer is that you give them everything. And you give them everything. There is nothing off limits. You do not say, no, you can't have my wedding ring because ultimately that wedding ring is not worth getting killed over, right? which is what happens to the guy. And I can come to that conclusion for about 10 seconds until my <laughs> brain says, you're not getting this. You're not getting anything from, from me. me. <laughs> you may get it for a minute, but as soon as you turn your back, as soon as you flinch, I am doing something. <laughs> so it's hard to say you know, obviously, having never been in that situation, it's hard to say what I would actually do. Mm -hmm. But it, mentally, I I cannot get past this sort of childish, <laughs> right? Uh, antagonization, just sort of like childish, like bullheaded, bullheadish. Especially, I've been thinking about it a lot too because of the Craigslist thing, mm -hmm. and it's like. I'm never like really worried about anything going wrong. And I don't put myself typically in situations where I feel like it would be like a, I would be at a disadvantage. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I said, I was like asking people to meet me at the middle of the farmer's market. You know what I mean? At, mm -hmm. at noon. So it's like nothing bad is going to happen there. You know what I mean? But I am still in my mind thinking like, well, what am I going to do if something happens? And my reaction is has never been, I'm just going to give them the stuff and walk away. <laughs> you know what I mean, it is always, I'm going to grab a gun if he has a gun. I'm going <laughs> to do something. And he is not taking this stuff from me. So it's I, like, I know the right answer is to just give everything away. Yeah. I, I mean, I have, so I've been in, in like, not a situation like that, but I am thinking about, if it's two on two, two guys hold up a store, it's you and me. Now I'm imagining a scenario where they demand everything from me. I give it to them. You give them one thing. <laughs> and then you just attack the guy. And now I'm forced to attack right. my guy. Right. <laughs> like Now I'm trying to mentally prepare myself right. if we're in this situation to be like, Justin's going to start fighting, and then I have to fight. Right. I can't just stand there and be like, I don't know this guy. Yeah. Beat him up. Would you do that to me? Would you, would you react irregardless I mean, of who is around you? I think in the presence of someone else, I would hope that I would be responsible enough to just be like, I can't jeopardize everyone in here. But one-on-one... -on -one, I am not letting anybody take anything from me. I'm just, I just, I know I wouldn't be able to do it.
Or maybe I would. I mean, I could, like I said, I've obviously never been in yeah. that scenario. I very easily could just, be the guy who runs behind the aisle <laughs> as soon as the door cracks open. Just remember how quickly you gave up your Xbox. And <laughs> exactly. then just be like, yeah, exactly. I'll just give up everything. You know what I imagine for you, like if I play out a realistic scenario, I'm going to get a call and be like, yep, Justin's in the hospital. Uh <laughs> And I'm going to visit you and you're going to be like, yeah, this store was held up and they asked me for my wallet. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, why didn't you give it to me? Like, I just couldn't do it, man. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to find out that you actually didn't even have your wallet on you. <laughs> like you, you literally had nothing to give them, but you just wouldn't even comply. You wouldn't even turn out your pockets. Right. You just were like, I couldn't. Yeah. I just couldn't even like play along. Right. I had to just grab the gun. Yeah. So. In the end, ritual, I, I kind of wish like, because one thing that I like, and, and I, I don't know, I think you don't like lists. You don't like, like Letterbox. The one mm -hmm. thing that I like about Letterbox is then wrestling with like, some people complain. Mm -hmm. I understand, I guess I'll say this. I understand from a professional's point of view why star ratings are meaningless. Mm -hmm. You know, I just watched this movie. I liked it a lot. Three stars out of four. Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I do like, for me, that question. So I, I rate every movie that I see. Right. I don't review it, but I at least give it a star rating. Mm -hmm. Out and of? Letterbox says five. Okay. So, and then I make a list of every movie I see in a year. And I just, they end up just ranking themselves mm -hmm. based on my, my, my rating. And so I jumped in and I was like, out of five, ritual, three and a half stars. Mm -hmm. Done. And then I, a few days later, I came back and I was like, that's, that's a four star movie. Wow. I had a lot of fun. I think that's mm -hmm. the thing. It's even in the paint by numbers stuff, the whole movie's just fun. Mm -hmm. I just, I didn't really know where they're. I just think the paint by numbers done was stuff was done with such a good eye and perspective. Sure. That I was like carried along in the storyline. Yeah. Enough to just be like, I was on board for the whole thing. Yeah, I can see that. So, so what would you, if you had to. I would still go three and a half. <laughs> you should go three and a half. Yeah. So good, better than average. Right. Fun movie. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I went. I went for. I did. I had the same issue with Black Panther, mm -hmm. where I watched Black Panther and I was like, four. That's a four. Mm -hmm. And then I went back a few hours later. I was like, a four and a half. Uh -huh. I'm giving a Marvel movie uh -huh. half a star away from a perfect. Right. Uh, actually, perfect and not from a very, very, very. Yeah. Um. But no, Black Panther is. If there's ever a Marvel movie or comic book movie you jump on, mm. there it is, Justin. No thanks. Um, <coughs> have you listened to the new uh, MGMT album? I did. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I told Elise, I was like, the new MGMT album's good. She's like, what are you doing with your life? I was like, no. I'm serious. Like mm -hmm. it is, I was surprised at her response. I was mm -hmm. like, 
MGMT doesn't have that bad of a reputation, do they? Of being just like over the like I I guess I need to go back and get of of kind of more detailed reaction from her to right. be like, what is your super negative reaction to MGMT? Mm-hmm. But what was your? I mean, there they were always fine right they were always capable of doing an album like this right? so yeah so my experience with mgmt is that so uh time to pretend came out and i remember having an existential crisis listening to it because it's got like really hardcore drug references in it Mm mm-hmm and I was like, this was like 10 years ago. So I'm out of college. No, I was like in between because mm-hmm. I dropped out. <clears throat> but I remember thinking like, is this what kids are listening to now? Like, oh my gosh, things have gotten really bad. And then, but liking the music, right? Yeah. Well, how could you have that react? Dude, we grew up on Third Eye Blind. But I was never f- like into Third Eye Blind's lyrics. I yeah, never well, had any idea what Third Eye Blind was singing well, about. I think that's what kids are doing. Crystal meth will <laughs> lift you up. Literally, have no idea what Third Eye Blind songs are about. I was not into them that much. Apparently, I'm listening to them on the way home. That is my <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't doubt it. I'm just saying, I, I was soundtrack. never. <clears throat> but it's very prominent in that song. Um. And then digging into it a little more and seeing like, oh, this is satire, basically. Like, these guys are, this is kind of like a send-up of pop music. And um, and then the more you read about it, you, at least the more I looked into it, it was like, these guys are just sort of like, these guys like really don't like pop music. And this whole thing is kind of like a joke, mm-hmm. right? And so then they released their second their second album, Congratulations, which is great, mm-hmm. super good, um, like legitimately good. It's just like music they wanted to make, but it also kind of makes you feel bad for liking the other songs. You know what I mean? Because it's right. like I like these songs, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whether these guys hate them or not. Right. Um, and then their next album I skipped because it was like universally panned right yeah like the second album i actually skipped that one too yeah the second album was panned but you did have people who were like no it's actually good and then this the third album was like everyone was just like yeah this thing's not great (laughs) yeah so this new one comes out or the singles are released and i liked them a lot but i'm now in the spot where it's like well wait a minute these are like poppy songs so are these guys like do these guys think like I'm a jerk for liking these songs? Mm-hmm. Like, should I not be liking these songs again? Um, but I also have an issue where I think I am the anti trailers guy for music. You know, where you have people who refuse so to you're watch singles. Yes. Because I feel like the singles ruin the album for me because when the album comes out, all I want to listen to is the singles. Mm-hmm. Like I like all the songs on the album. But really, I could listen to songs two, three, and four right. on repeat and skip the rest of the album. Yeah. And I feel like if I hadn't heard those songs right, first, maybe, maybe that wouldn't happen. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I might be the same way because I think that's interesting. Like for long term albums, how my allegiance to songs some sometimes vary. Yeah, like that happened to me a lot with Sound and Color, the last Alabama Shakes album, mm-hmm. where I have just like starting off, I could not get enough of like two songs on it. Mm-hmm. And I loved almost everything on that album. Um, and I would just keep going back to those two, 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 two. And mm-hmm. then, like, after a while, all of a sudden, these other songs came up. And I love those. And now it's a different two. Yeah. And so there is something where I think, like, depending on your mood or whatever else, where certain songs can appeal to you. But I also didn't like um, Don't Want to Fight No More. They're mm-hmm. single. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, man, I hope the whole album isn't like this. Yeah. And that was the one I came around to on the middle. Like, after loving these other, I was like, don't want to fight no more is really good. What was I thinking? Mm -hmm. So I I do wonder if I'm with you where, like, yes, singles kind of burn me out or give me an expectation for an album. Right. A lot of times the, the person singing is not interested in just making a whole album like that. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just like, yeah, that's our single, or yeah. yeah, that's our pop song, and then the rest is completely different. So a long way of saying I think I agree with you. I did want to know what you thought about the song Time Spent Looking at My Phone. You know what song that is? It's the song where he says, time spent looking at my phone a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the... Uh... <coughs> What was I listening to on the way here? Um, it's abbreviated as SLAMP. <laughs> okay, obviously, I don't... Uh, yeah, my biggest problem with it is just that the chorus and the title is Time Spent Looking at My Phone, which I feel like in this point in our culture is like you can say that phrase alone to somebody and they will know exactly what you're talking about and like exactly the sort of like meaning behind it and sort of resentful nature of it no matter how you say it and it's I guess it's just the nitpick but it's like it's the name of the song it's the chorus or whatever he says it a lot and the rest of the song is basically all about that obviously and it just it's a little bit too much for me it's a little too on the nose and i feel like they could have left that phrase out and kept everything else in and it would have been perfect i i wonder too if it's one of those things where like the joke is on you right because they named the song t-slamp right and so it's obviously like r-o-f-l right a-f you know they're they're sending up this kind of like abbreviation yeah. culture. And so maybe the whole song is ironic. Yeah. It's like, oh, do you hate the fact they were pointing out time spent looking at my phone? Yeah. Well, that's the joke. So now the joke's back on you. Yeah. It's also the only song on the album where it's like every other song in the album, it's like, <clears throat> I'm not big on lyrics, so mm-hmm. I don't really like get into them. 
but the rest of the song is ambiguous enough that it hasn't made me like look into the lyrics or it. also be like, I know what this is about. And, and with that one, it's like, all right, after like 30 seconds, like Dime I get shit. it. I get it. I get it. Okay. It's enough. See, I, yeah, I feel like I've listened to this album like <coughs> twice. And I've listened to the singles like five times. Right. Uh, and I've largely let it wash over me. So that song did not really stand out to me more than the others. Yeah. Um, but now I will. That will go on before third. You'll eye blind. never hear it the same way again. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. because before that, I just mindlessly enjoyed it. Now <laughs> I will be actively frustrated by it. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> staying on music really quick. Walter Martin released a new album. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said it's kind of like his midlife crisis album. And I listened to it all while working today, and uh-huh. it is really good. Like, and I, is it like goofy like the rest of his music, or is it serious? It's goofy serious. Okay, it's like like he has a um, he has a song where the last half is all like call and response. Like mm-hmm. the whole song itself is basically like him singing about going on a tour in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then he has some background singers who he does like, a con- they're like, so how was it there? And he's like, eh, it's pretty okay. They're like, did you write any songs? He's like, uh, just this one. Mm-hmm. They're like, how are your shows? He's like, eh, some people showed up. Not a lot. It was fine. Uh, and then they start asking him like, so why'd you go on a solo tour? Why do you like being alone? He's like, I like to think. And like, what do you think about? It? He's like, death. And they're like, oh. And he's like, don't doesn't everybody? And so it's like one of those things where it's like it's fun, but then he's also like telling you a story and yeah. actually like addressing some stuff. Uh, the first song is really good, and I'd, I I didn't I think that will give you a sense of the album where mm-hmm. it's basically he's singing about a friend of his. I think he's given his friend like a like a pseudonym because mm-hmm. I looked up the name. I couldn't find anybody, but I didn't do like a hardcore search. Right. But it's basically him just being like, hey, I found a note that you'd written me a while ago and it made me think about you. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I really like your music. And he's like, I think it's crappy how Volvo used one of your songs in their commercials and they didn't really pay you anything. Mm-hmm. But he's like, but you were like, that's ah, okay whatever as you filled out your tax forms so it's just like that direct kind of writing where it's just like it's just really direct and straightforward and his you know his voice isn't great but he's doing his thing in his Mm -hmm. way and it is just like straight through just a pleasant album and it makes you think like yep i'm this guy's age (laughs) i feel that way too you know yeah so i i'd uh encourage that um, what did you make of the Courtney Barnett single? I haven't listened to it. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it, she has a solo album coming out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have to say the Kurt Vile and her album was like. Yeah. It's a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. They, I felt like it was one of those things where you have like two talents who come together and kind of almost cancel each other out in a little way. Yeah. Or they just kind of like in their collaboration, they kind of come down to meet each yeah. other and they don't like go up like, well they had two songs that were like 
obviously like written for this album and were really good. And then the rest was just like, these are songs that weren't good enough to be on any of our other albums. It so we'll just of, dump them here. <laughs> well, when I listened to the album, I honestly, this was what I remember thinking. I remember thinking like, this is like usual suspects. Like, I feel like this is Kaiser Sose looking around the room and being like, uh, now I'm going to tell you a story about Fiji because I see a poster of Fiji over there. Like I kind of feel like yeah. at some point they're like, how many songs are we at? Yeah, we need two more. And they're like, uh, there's some pencils over there. You want to just, right. that just, yeah. Uh. So no, I, how's the single? Cause I didn't listen to the whole thing. Well, I'm not I'm a the big one, fan of yeah, Courtney Brennan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan and I was so sure that you would be a fan of hers. Yeah. And boy, was I wrong. Yep. She, I mean, she's all right. She's just a little bit too much. Just like Kurt Vile. Kurt Vile's a little bit too loose. And Courtney Brennan is just a little too clever. I don't know. I just, there's something <laughs> about clever. her I just don't care for. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've heard some people say, like, I don't know. Can somebody be too clever? Yeah, it's just too on the nose, I, know, I feel like. Diablo Cody writing in Juno. Yeah, exactly. Is maybe like, too clever, but Courtney Barnett is not that. Um, did you? Um, I feel like at some point I might be misremembering. You didn't like like slow music, right? You felt like music had to be like more dynamic for you. Sure, you would say like slow music is would bore you. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I guess you have to be in the right in the mood. But has that yeah. changed? Probably not. I mean, I'm sure there's slow music I listen to, but what do you think of uh, falsetto? It's a hard sell for me. Really? Yeah. Like the like uh, like I don't know how anyone can honestly listen to that childish Gambino album. Oh, because he's in his yes falsetto the whole time, and it's. And that was something that I had in our notes that I didn't, I took off you because I didn't so want to get into it. But this, there was a Esquire or somebody did an article that was sweating like, again. Yeah. That <laughs> was like much. childish get or Donald Glover has always been 10 steps ahead of everybody. And it's like, you give me a break. This guy has released like mediocre rap music for five years. And all of a sudden he's a, five ten steps ahead of everybody like this like revisionist history on donald glover is ridiculous i'm a big fan of donald glover but i agree with you yeah I, his anointing right is something that i i have been a little suspicious of um it feels like weirdly self-congratulatory like it just i don't know i just i've never been a huge donald glover fan to begin with his interview on Mark Maron's podcast from years ago left a really bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> and ever since then, he's kind of like, this guy's kind of like, I mean, I guess you, I don't, he just is kind of a phony. I just feel like he's kind of a phony. That's yeah, all. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about him other than to say that his anointing is what I'm more suspect of. Like the way that people run to him. Yes. Kind of like- and I will stand by the fact that all of his music up until this last album was trashed regularly. Well, I read some of that article that you posted, and I did feel like I I did roll my eyes when, like, right up top, they're like, "Oh yeah, the, the opening is insane." To land, Lando 
Exactly. Percy, that was, was the other like, thing. I was like, wait a minute. Lando. The legendary, the legendary, like, I don't even know anything about Star Wars. I know that he is not a legendary character. He's in, I, the other thing too is like, he's in Solo that is half directed by Ron Howard. Like, right. let's get some perspective. Uh, so no, I, that, that did make me feel like, but I will say Atlanta, I think is probably the thing that he's done that I've responded to the most. Sure. I've been like, that is pretty good. But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. But his falsetto <laughs> on that music is kind of, is like whatever. I don't know how anybody could listen to that knowing who is singing it and not be like, get well, the like heebies just for my own benefit off air. I, I did, I'm gonna play you at least a piece of a song, mm-hmm. and I want to know what you think because it's something that I just found, and I find it so just kind of like dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that you're going to hate it, and I kind of want the perspective of somebody who hates it just okay. to be like, <laughs> explain why you hate it uh-huh. because uh, it's stuck in my head, and I'm like, it's I, I think it's super good. Okay, so. I'll play that for you after. Off air. Sure. All right. Well, I guess we'll leave it at that. All right. So I do, I want to say that I fully endorse your uh, discussion. It might have been on the other podcast, but regularity needs to be a key. Yeah. And I think that we had things that impacted our time away that I think I can fix in my own life that i think will be fixed moving forward yeah um so next week i think it's pretty obvious we're talking about annihilation right yeah we yeah hopefully we can get out to see annihilation either together or just by monday yeah and talk about that all right next week it is